Welcome to the Learner Centered Spaces podcast, where we empower and inspire ownership of learning. Sponsored by Mastery Portfolio, hosted by Star Saxstein, Emma Chapetta, and Crystal Frommert. In each episode, we will bring you engaging conversations with a wide variety of educators, both in and out of the classroom. This podcast is created for educators who want to learn more about how to make the shift toward learner-centered spaces for their students, schools and districts, or education at large. The Learner-Centered Spaces podcast is a proud member of the Teach Better Podcast Network. Get ready to be inspired as we dive right into the conversation with today's guest. Dr. Corey Steiner is currently the superintendent of the Northern Cass School District for the past nine years. He has been an administrator for 17 years. In his current role, he has worked with a dedicated and passionate group of educators to shift their entire system to personalized, competency-based learning. He has served on the Governor's Task Force on Innovation, which has challenged North Dakota's education system to think differently. During this past year, Northern Cass was a finalist for the YAS Prize, and they received $500,000 to develop a full-service community school. Dr. Steiner believes every learner can change the world. Therefore, we must provide a world-class education. It is a moral imperative we change our educational system to one which is uncompromisingly learner-centered. Hey, Corey, it's so awesome to have you on with us today. Um, If you don't mind, could you please tell us about yourself? What's your role, your location, something about your journey, and maybe an interesting fact? Yeah, I thank you for having me and, and giving me an opportunity to share the story of Northern Cass, a very unique place. Uh, I'm Corey Steiner, superintendent for the Northern Cass School District. This will actually be my 10th year. Uh, we're located in Hunter, North Dakota, which is about 25 miles outside of Fargo. Um, it's it, very unique place because if you looked outside my windows right now, you would see cornfields on each side. We actually serve six very small communities. Uh, located in the middle of them, not located in a community, no essential services. Um, And uh, so that makes us very unique. 35% of our kids come from outside our district. And we say that's because we will provide every big school opportunity in a small school environment. And, And ultimately this journey for me started when I saw learners who really had gifts and things to give to learning environments, uh, but were looked at as failures or were diagnosed as at risk or or having learning disabilities uh, simply because the system could recognize the brilliance and the gifts they had to give to them, to give to the system itself and to others. Uh, And so from that, that moment, I just made a commitment on my own to say, I'm never gonna operate in a system that is based on tradition and one that doesn't recognize that every individual learner is just that an individual. I'm really inspired by your story and your school, so or your school district. So could you tell us what a learner-centered space looks like, feels like, sounds like, either in your district or kind of the ideal learner-centered space? Yeah, uh, I can absolutely share, you know, from our districts and and ultimately what I think our North Star is with it too. I mean, one of the big terms we're using constantly is learner agency. Um, We want our learners to make decisions about their learning and make decisions that's best for their learning. 
Uh, and, and instantly when you say that to people, they, they don't think learners are capable of that, or they'll think that it's only a senior who's capable of that. Um, so you first, you just start off by giving them choices, A or B, um, and you let them make a choice. And then you debrief with them, like, why'd you make that choice? And sometimes it's like, I want to hang with my friends. Okay, well, okay, that's great. But was that best for your learning? Eventually you get to A, B, or C. And then pretty soon you, what you'll start to see in our district is when learners are making choices about what they're going to do to learn certain content, they're going to say, here's why I'm doing that and here's why it's best for me. And then they're setting a goal around that. So they're developing agency. And that agency is really about, for us, portrait of a learner skills. Um, content is important. Our portrait of a learner skills are absolutely the most important thing that happens in our district. We have five of them. They're not rocket science, it's accountability, adaptability, communication, leadership, and a learner's mindset. But for us, that is emphasized just as importantly along every priority standard. We give feedback on those and we track that. And, and ultimately, when you watch a senior leave our building, you would see them do a capstone presentation where we give them one requirement, tell the story of who you become who you want to be and how you're going to change the world. Uh, and we call it our red eye day uh, because there's not one person that walks out of, out of those rooms without red eyes from just crying because you hear these beautiful stories celebrating the journey of learners. And that's learner centered. You give them the opportunity to design their journey. You help them when they fail. You don't punish them when they fail. Um, I think the other thing I would say a learner-centered space looks like is there's learner voice. I, I don't know a district in the country that says we listen to our learners or our learners have voice. I think learners have voice, but do you really listen and do you listen to make change? Last year, our learners said our dress code policy was, was very, very punitive against our females. And they were right. And so we asked them to rewrite it and they did. And so our school dress code policy was written by learners and it was helped with the adults. Um, I think that's not only agency, but that's also the idea of like, we need to listen to them when they tell us that they need things to change. My Learner Advisory Council has been instrumental in changing how we've adjusted our proficiency-based grading system. And, and I think the last thing a true learner-centered space looks like, and I'm, and I'm talking from a leader in this, is you have to have a culture of yes. When, when my people come to me, and ask me questions, I don't say no, but, or yes, but I say yes, and let's figure out how we can make this work. So like, those are three things for us, we hang our hat on in our system. So Corey, as I was, as I was listening, I was wondering if you could just let our listeners know a little bit more about your advisory council what what is it and what function does it uh, it's obviously in an advisory capacity but what does that look like who's involved and what kind of decisions are made yeah that's a great question and i'm glad you asked on that i was hoping to be able to share a little more because it's evolved uh, i will say honestly three years ago it was nothing more than a rubber stamp to say like hey we listen we have student voice in our school and, and it it just really wasn't what it's evolved to is that my dean of learners and myself meet monthly with a group of learners in our in our levels nine through twelve, so ninth grade through twelfth grade, uh, and we have a very diverse group. And when I mean diverse, is these are learners that might struggle with school and not want to be here. It might be learners who have excelled, 
Um, we're a choice ready district, college, career, military. And I want every learner to have the option of their first choice when they leave our building. And so when we bring them, we give them the opportunity to say, tell us what's not working here. What would you want to, us to do better to make you love to walk through the front doors in the morning? And the first two, three meetings, it's a struggle. And the last six or seven, man, they share and they're brutally honest. Uh, and, and we keep it confidential, but then we come out of there with an action plan of what do the leaders need to change? What do our educators, which is the term we use for teachers need to change? And then also what role do the learners have to play? And what are they gonna do as leading their learners, their peers in making this change? And as I said, how we did our score four, which is, is above our level of proficiency was completely driven by them. Our new dress code policy completely driven by them. Um, we added a learner rep to our board and they did that because they said they felt they're as important as an elected board member. So they sit on our board and give updates and they survey learners and they are coming to our board and letting our board hear what our learners are asking us to do differently. Uh, it's a very different approach that the last year it was it was such a wonderful day or wonderful hour of meetings. Um, I, we look forward to it every month now. Hi, this is Crystal here. Um, this is so inspiring to hear about your school. You know, I'm wondering um, if you have a, a capstone program, which I know that is a, a very comprehensive way to assess student learning. It's it's looking at the whole child. What suggestions would you have for an educator or a school leader who maybe wants to move their school in that direction that may not have the competency-based grading, uh, competency-based assessment that you have, but maybe wants to go toward a capstone, where would you tell them to start? Yeah, that, that's a great question because I get a lot of people say, well, that only works because you're in a, you know, a competency system or a proficiency-based system. Uh, and I tell them that, that has nothing to do with it. We were doing some of this before we started our transformation. Develop a portrait of a learner. And people will say, well, you mean portrait of a graduate? What we found is when we said portrait of a graduate, it allowed our elementary to opt out of the work we needed them to do. Um, so everybody owns the skills and attributes and competencies in our portrait of a learner. Sit with your community, get your kids at the table and ask when they leave our building, what are the non-negotiables they're going to leave with? I mean, our kids are going to leave with the credits they need that the state requires. And, and that's fine. But ultimately, we always say the most important thing that happens is we produce great human beings, remarkable human beings. And we do that because we focus on those portrait skills. So if you want to do it, sit with your community and say, what, what do you want from your kids when they leave? Um, I did that. I did that in front of parents and said, what do you want for your kids? And nobody said the highest GPA. I want them to get into the best college. They said, I want my kid to be happy, to be fulfilled. And we told them we couldn't do that in our current system. But if we put a focus on the skills they valued, we could. And I think that's really probably been the biggest shift we've made is we focus on developing skills, which allows them to be the person they deserve to be. If I could ask a follow-up question about that, I, I love the the terminology of portrait of a learner because our school uses portrait of a graduate. And in the Learner Centered Spaces podcast, um, I've actually learned myself as a co-host to start saying learner-centered rather than student-centered. And there's a big difference there. So I'm curious if portrait of a learner includes your educators as well and not just the students. 
Yeah, again, another great question. And I, I'm, if you could see it, I'm, I'm kind of giggling because so we got our portrait of learn done. So now we need to do a portrait of an educator. And we started doing it. And I mean, we were starting to work through and we were probably two, three hours in and we kind of all looked at each other and said, well, if, if the skills that we want our learners to leave with, shouldn't we model those identical skills as educators? And so we, we made a very purposeful change in our language. And the language is you, you'll hear us make a switch sometimes, but our teachers are not called that. They're educators. My custodian is called an educator. My bus drivers are educators. We need to have a mentality that learners will learn from anyone at any time, anywhere. And so when you introduce in our building, you don't say like, you know, I'm Corey, I'm a bus driver. You say, I'm Corey, I'm an educator who works as a bus driver because they need to understand they're playing just as an important role as the social studies educator. Um, And so we made a conscious shift to become educators. And actually over the next year, we're making a conscious shift to become learning facilitators because educator to learning facilitator for us differentiates the instructional strategies we're going to use in a personalized system. And then for learners, um, students, you give knowledge to learners. They take it and they decide where to go with it. Learner to me um, means that it's an active process and that there's ownership to that process. So the, one of the first things we did in our whole transformation was develop the common language that we were going to shift to. And, and I would say 95% of the time, you'd hear everybody in this building, including our parents and community members, using that language. That's amazing, Corey. I'm, I'm listening to you speak, and I have so many more questions too. I would be a firm believer of how language and the words we use to communicate what we think and mean is so important. Usually at this point, we're asking about advice for building learner-centered spaces, but what I'm really thinking is unique here, do you have advice for folks who who really need to start tightening up the language they use and how they choose with intentionality the kind of vocabulary to create the environment you're talking about. And then once you make those distinctions, what what does that process look like? And what advice would you give to a school or a district who's really looking to move in the direction that your space has created? Yeah, I, I, I tell schools when they ask, uh, and, and from around the country, we've had visitors, and I tell them very simply, if you want to continue doing what you've always done and be traditional, keep using the same words and you will be able to be traditional forever. Words matter. We know that. Words matter to kids. Words matter to adults. Words matter to your community. So when we did it, we when we sat down, we said, what are the words we use? And so some of it was like STARS assessment. Some of the very, uh, what I would say, jargon words of education are. But we also said like, when people look at us, what what do we want to be known for? And so we first looked like, well, we're great teachers, okay, but are we teachers? And we and we looked and we and we went back and forth. And I'm not saying this was a a two minute conversation. This was over months where we had arguments and disagreements that we don't need to change a teacher. It doesn't mean anything. And now our people they can differentiate between what an educator is and a teacher because we we talked through that. And even when families come in, we explain to them here's the difference. We, we went through, is it student or learner? We don't call them classrooms. We call them learning centers. Um, we found that if we were going to sh- make this shift, 
There's a lot of heavy lifting and a lot of barriers or operational things you have to do. But the mindset is the absolute first thing. Change a couple little things like that and people start to think differently when they walk through the front door. That's when you can start to make some significant movement in a transformation of a system. Yeah, I think that that language is so important. And I'm also curious about how you bring educators on board if they're reluctant to move to a learner-centered space. Um, One of the things I'll tell you in our district, and people will tell you this, is when I hear people talk to me, they'll say, well, we're trying to get consensus. And I tell them that is one of the dirtiest words in education. If we're going to do what's right for kids, we get commitment. And I t- we talk to our educators about, are you interested or are you committed? Can you commit to doing what's best for learners? It might be uncomfortable for you, but what I'm going to give you is the opportunity that I will a kid and say, I don't expect you to be doing everything the same as the person next to you. Just like our learners, our educators are different people, which means the implementation of some of the strategies and practices has to be adapted differently. So we still give them autonomy but we still have expectations that they're making growth. As soon as we started doing that, the people that were reluctant started taking these little small steps. And then we'd be in there and we'd validate them and we'd celebrate them. Um, And I will tell you, like, we just don't have a lot of reluctance from people. We we probably have more people that are, are just worried that what they're doing isn't as good as what they used to do. But I think if you asked our people, about 99% would say if we went back to the old way, they would be finding a new place to work. Uh, We we just, and we listen. So when our teachers and educators tell us, stop pushing, because I push hard and our team pushes hard, we listen. Uh, We know when there's times when we have to take a break and back down a little bit. Um, But but reluctance has really went away because the closer you get to be learning centered, not in words, but in actions, People don't don't refuse to do things that they know are right for learners. I'm wondering, I know that you probably have had a, a wonderful journey um, through your career and through that journey, who have you met over the years that has contributed to, to the great work that you're doing now? Is there anyone you want to give a shout out to? Yeah, I mean, that's the one thing is, is you know, you're a little bit isolated when you do this work because not a lot of people are. More are doing it, but not a lot of people are, are doing it like full system wide. Um, our, our first journey we took was to Lindsay Unified School District. Uh, it's south of Fresno, about 75 miles. And they have become a partner of ours for the last five to six years. And, and we couldn't look any different than they do. Uh, Tom Rooney and Barry Summer were two people that I, I'm in close contact with all the time and talking to. Uh, and their district just did amazing things. And so like that's that's a district we work with, uh, Farmington, Minnesota and Jason Berg. They have this vision of, of what a system could look like. And so we're constantly working. And then Travis Lape in Harrisburg, South Dakota. Uh, Travis was one of the first visits we went down to. And when we went in there, we were so amazed. We're like, oh, this can be done at the elementary level. We went down for a high school visit and saw it could be done at the elementary. And that was the moment we said, this has got to be system-wide. We can't just do this for a certain level. Uh, and then we had a chance with Jessica Anderson. Uh, she now works with Transcend, but worked in the Brookings School District, um, who had done some great things at their elementary. And not, we, we've never grabbed what any of them have done and tried to make it our own. We've taken the conditions they've built and the advice they've given 
to to adjust our system and make it extremely flexible and adaptable. But and and there's a lot more um, of organizations like KnowledgeWorks and Transcend that we've worked with. Um, you need a lot of partners to do this work um, because it's hard. Um, there are moments you're going to get knocked down, and you're going to need people to kind of remind you of why it's so important. So. Those people have become really close personal allies of ours in this work. Wow. Um, it's so inspirational, Corey. I was wondering, where can folks find you and information about your district? Like thinking about where we could tell people to learn more about the amazing work that's happening in, in your district and your journey. Yeah, I mean, if you go to it's northerncassschool.org, it looks weird because it's C-A-S-S-S. You look like there's too many S's in there. Um, you can get my email on there, but you can also go to our personalized learning page, which I'll say right now we've not really done justice to what we're doing. But here's the offer I give to absolutely every single person that, that listens to your podcast. If you email me, I will ensure that I will respond directly back to you and I'll connect you with some remarkable educators I have here. Tom Claps, our director of personalized learning. Beth Head is our personalized learning coach. We've had three finalists for educator of the year in the state of North Dakota the last four years. And everything we have created, we will give to you in an editable format. We do not believe that anything we have should be protected. We believe this work should be extended. We'll connect you with any educator from special ed to counselors to our director of college career and life readiness. Uh, we will absolutely do anything in our power to help. That's a fantastic, uh, fantastic offer. Thank you so much. Um, I know I probably will be emailing you too. Um, so I will be sure to put your email address in the show notes. So if you are listening to this right now, listeners, please reach out to Corey. And this has been fantastic. And I, I want to visit your school one day. I don't know if I can do that, but I would love to. We'd, we'd love to have you just stay away during the winter months, but there are some pleasant months you can come to North Dakota as well. All right. Well, thank you so much, Corey. And thank you for your time and, and all of your expertise and, and, and what you're doing for your kids. Well, and thank you all for being champions of learner-centered spaces. That we, Without the champions like you, the word doesn't get spread and the work doesn't get done. So thank you guys sincerely. Thank you for learning with us today. We hope you enjoyed the conversation as much as we did. If you'd like any additional information from the show, check out the show notes. Learn more about Mastery Portfolio and how we support schools at masteryportfolio.com. You can follow us on Twitter at Mastery for All and on LinkedIn on our Mastery Portfolio page. We'd love for you to engage with us. If you'd like to be a guest on the show or know someone who would be an inspiring guest, please fill out the survey found in the show notes. And we'd love your feedback. Please write a review on your favorite podcasting app.